This is the Eric Francis Show, brought to you by Horse Racing Alberta on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Good afternoon. Hope you're getting through the snow. Make sure to brush off that car. Don't be that guy, that gal who drives around with large amounts of snow on four or five of the windows on your vehicle. Please don't be that person. Easy to let it happen when it's this cold. But anyway, welcome to the Eric Francis Show. We do this every Monday from 1 till 2. It's all about storytelling, and we got a really good pair of storytellers on uh, tap for today. But just to sum up for the weekend, if you didn't see or you didn't hear, of course, the Calgary Flames have lost four in a row. They uh, are finally free of their uh, eight-game homestand. Three-game road trip starts tonight in Long Island. Then they go to Jersey, then to Boston. It doesn't get much easier for the lads, but I do believe, like most people would agree, it will be good for them to get out on the road uh, and be singularly focused on hockey and turning this ship around because uh, right now what we've seen over the last two, three games, uh, in their own words, is very unacceptable for the Calgary Flames and the expectations that they have. Now, the Calgary Flames brought two new faces on this road trip. Dennis Gilbert and Nick DeSimone were called up from uh, from the farm club in Calgary. Michael Stone is on the IR. Chris Tanev's still unsure. Doesn't look like he's going to go tonight. So the Flames will probably start tonight's game with Connor Mackey and Nick DeSimone in, as a third pairing, which is so fascinating. We're going to talk more about that with Wes Gilbertson in the second half because I think you could have a pretty good uh, discussion on whether or not you think they'll play plus or minus 10 minutes tonight. I would submit it'll be below 10 minutes as a pairing. Uh, but we'll get into that uh, and all those things later. But our first guest, he is, uh, you know him from Calgary. You know him because he played in Vancouver. You know him because he played in Toronto. He also played with the Anaheim Ducks. He's returned to Calgary. He's a Cochrane native. He's a neighbor of mine, lives right up the street from me. And he's a serial entrepreneur. And I don't think many people know too much about what he does now, but I am fascinated by the lifestyle he's chosen, the profession he's in now, the profession he's about to embark on. The guy's a chameleon. He keeps changing his colors and uh, succeeding at every level. So our first guest is Mason Raymond, and he joins us on the Atlas Pizza Guest Hotline. Thanks for joining us, Mason. Hey, Eric. Thanks for having me. Now, I, you and I had a fascinating conversation, and I want to kind of replay it for, for the listeners today. Uh, you, you grew up in Cochrane. You grew up on the land. And now you also work the land for a living. Tell us, tell people what you're doing right now. I know you've got your new venture and we'll talk about that as well, but what you've been doing the last handful of years, because it keeps you very, very busy. Yeah. Well, hockey goes by quick. You know, I did my 10 year career went in a flick of a finger and here I am already four plus years retired. So um, I'll start out by saying Trevor Linden always said uh, you retire from the game of hockey an old man, but you hit the young world or pardon me, you hit the real world, a young man. And, uh, you know, I find that so much to be true. So um, in a nutshell, right out of hockey, I, uh, I went back to my roots. I grew up on a, on a ranch, a farm, and um, something I thoroughly enjoyed and always did uh, during my playing years and, and made that just part of what my everyday life was. So um, I grew up on a farm out in the Bearspaw area. As you mentioned, my hometown's Cochrane. Um, we still run a lot of grass cattle out there, put up a lot of hay, and uh, got a bit of a my own business venture um, out east of Strathmore now and, and farming a lot of cultivated acres and, and managing some feedlots. So um, life's busy. Uh, I always joke with my wife. I say, uh, 
you can't tell cattle that it's uh, Christmas tomorrow or your son's birthday or whatever. There's never a day off. There's there's always work to be done. But uh, something that I learned from a young age was uh, hard work was uh, was a staple in your life. And and you're out there like you know it sounds to me like when you say you manage it, it sounds oh you just oversee it and you you have people that work the land for you. But you're one of these guys that's up at like some ungodly hour and you're out there and and you're getting your hands dirty, right? Totally. I mean. For me, I go back to, I'll start by saying there's so many parallels, I believe, between hockey and sport or business, however you want to say it. I mean, I've learned so much from hockey that I've taken into the business world. Um, and that starts with culture. I believe culture is number one. And for me, that's that's what I, I do when I'm out there with my guys. I manage a lot of people. I oversee a lot of people. But at the same time, I'm out there doing whatever job I need to Um to help out wherever I can. So no, that's, uh, it's definitely hands-on. I enjoy being hands-on uh, as much as I enjoy uh, managing and working with people. But uh, you know, for me, the uh, seeing people reach new levels and, and get to new positions that they didn't even know do is what strives me. And uh, the business's world is something I've always had interest in and uh, continue to grow in that department. Okay. So in, in terms of continuing to grow, you hit me with a bomb yesterday or the other day when I asked you to come on the show. You said, yeah, I've got a new venture starting December 1st. And I thought, okay, bought 3,000 more acres or whatever the case may be in that world. You're veering in a different direction. Like I said, you're a serial entrepreneur. Tell me about your new venture starting in December. Well, I'll smile with this. I mean, my uh, my time in Calgary wasn't my best time as, as far as the planning days went. It was always a dream come true. Don't, you know, no regrets. Look back on it. But as I became more of a healthy scratch, I found more time on my hands. And again, business started to creep in and uh, I ended up spending some of my healthy scratch days doing more business. And uh, my wife's family's in the, the auto business and something I always enjoyed doing was, was selling vehicles and being a part of it and, and machinery. And, uh, you know, I, uh, I have since then, I've been, I've been trying since I retired to embark on uh, and running my own dealership and, 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 pursuing my own dealership and it hasn't been easy they're they're tough to come by but uh since then i've recently uh purchased and taken on uh, cochran general motors back in my hometown just happened to fall that uh it's back in my hometown and something i'm very proud of and uh another business that i'm embarking on and and enjoyed uh as i mentioned i i sold to the likes of chris tan of dennis weidman uh, alex pearls i've sold kind of always I've, I've always enjoyed the auto business i've enjoyed being around it and uh, it's been a goal of mine at one point to, to get my own dealership. And uh, here we are going back into my hometown. So I guess you could use the word diversification or a little bit of everything, but it'll be managing uh, both of these uh, business adventures along with some, some other entities that I do. That's amazing. That is amazing. Now you say you sold to Tanev and some of these other guys over the years. What, uh, you had a bit of a side hustle going while you were a player and you would get a cut of the action? Or how'd that work? I'm fascinated. Well, I'm more, yeah. I'm one of those guys I can't sit still. I'm always wanting to do something, no matter what it is. So I enjoy being busy. I don't know anything else otherwise, to be honest. But uh, like I said, uh, I drove for my wife's family, meaning uh, we did a car deal when I played in all my years. We uh, There's some dealerships kind of across uh, multiple provinces. So uh, part of it was just was dealing that. I've always enjoyed the, the game within the game, if you will, in hockey and sports and business. And uh, so, yeah, I sold. I mean, Chris Tano has been a – been a client i guess you could say i've been a close friend and a lot of these guys and uh you know even some of the trainers and, and stuff so now that i have my own dealership local i used to do a lot of these uh at some some distant dealerships uh, in different states or pardon me states different provinces but uh 
happy to bring all the business here. So there's my plug that I was bugging about, Eric, is uh, you want a good good service, come to Co- come to Cochrane GM. I love it. Okay, there you go. You're going to get the family service from Mason Raymond and family okay. at Cochrane GM. And that starts December 1st, right? That's right. Yeah, takeover day will be December 1st. So no, lots of exciting things to happen there. I am fascinated to be uh, talking to you down the road to see how much time you still spend on the land, how much you're at the dealership. Uh, there's only so many hours in the day, Mason, I got to tell you. That's true. Like I said, life's busy, but for me, I know another way. I mean, coaching my kids hockey and running around, it's uh, it's something I enjoy. You know, the transition I've seen from from some of the retirees is, is a tough one. Um, for me, it's been seamlessly not too bad. I've, I've enjoyed it. As I said, I've had some great opportunity. I do believe in uh, this world today, there's a lot of opportunity out there uh, for anyone. Um, you just need to literally put your work boots on and put your head down and go chase something, no matter what it is. So I feel fortunate to, to have these opportunities and, uh, you know, something I plan to explore and, and, and grow for the future. It's uh, it's just, it's like I said, it's kind of some, something that I just kind of know and grew up with is, is just hard work. And that's something I try to instill in, in my own kids. He's Mason Raymond. I'm Eric Francis. It's the Eric Francis Show brought to you by Horse Racing Alberta. Uh, our guest at the bottom of the hour will be Wes Gilbertson from uh, Long Island. Give us the latest on the Calgary Flames and some of the roster moves that uh, happened yesterday and, and this morning. Uh, I, now, Mason, one of the things that I've – one of the most interesting conversations I've ever had with a, with a player or even a former player like yourself is your theory on maintaining lifestyle. Like – and I don't know how much you want to get into it, but I love the way you broke down uh, when an athlete gets a paycheck, like you've broken down to, you know, to percentage points, you know, where every dollar goes, your trainer, uh, your, your gym membership, your, your agent, uh, taxes, uh, housing. Just talk a little bit about that, that theory. Cause you were determined, you were hell bound to, to say, you know what, I've earned a nice lifestyle as an NHL hockey player over 10 years, made some good money. But I, my goal is to not just, you know, sit on that money. My goal is to maintain the lifestyle, if not grow my lifestyle moving forward. Can you just take us behind the curtain on that? For sure. Uh, yeah, you laid that out there pretty good for me. Um, yeah, I mean, a goal of mine since the beginning was always to, to maintain the lifetime, the, the, the lifestyle I, I had when I played uh, post hockey and some. Um, you mentioned it taxes, agent fees, escrow, which is a huge number that a lot of people don't take into account. You know, uh, a, a life you come accustomed to, there's a lot of bills. And this comes for any walk of life, any any uh, business, doesn't matter, or uh, salary you have. But, you know, for me, it's I go back to inflation is what, 5 6%? So you cancel that. I mean, I just go back to, for me, a lifestyle that I wanted to maintain and hold and push for generations. You know, my kids are a a huge goal of mine to to push and build for them and and potentially set something up for them in the future, and and hopefully that carries on. But to me, that I need to be involved in business and and managing your money. Um, You know, things are changing all the time with with where this world's going. Like I said, with inflation, interest rates are, are high. So um again i enjoy that side of it but yeah it, it's funny i i always say and i i think some have broken it down before on a million dollar contract um you add in all your expenses of all these players and it's still awesome money don't get me wrong but you know your actual mm-hmm. take home in your pocket um doesn't sound like a million bucks so 
um, again, to me, it's just uh, it's about managing that and, and maintaining that, and, and something that one of my goals is, like I said, is, is not only to maintain it but to grow it, and not only for myself but for future generations. Do you remember any of the numbers? I, I know you've been retired four years, and but I remember you gave me the example of like just say a guy's making a million dollars, which is close to the league minimum, but it's damn good money, and we all know that. But I, I think you broke it down like percentages in terms of the agent takes X percent. And do, you, do you remember what that is? And at the end of the day, you're yeah. left standing with maybe 25% of the, of the million dollars in your pocket. Yeah, pretty close, Eric. I mean, on a million bucks, you're going to tax it. You're in the high tax bracket. You're 50%. You're down to 500. Your agent fees are typically between 3 and 4%. And those are off gross numbers. Escrow traditionally has been something that uh, somewhere between 15 and 18%. Um, so you can take that number off again. Agency, like you name it, again, you come accustomed to a life. Um, and these are all prior to, um, you know, again, your, your cost of living and stuff. So in, in all yeah. uh, breakdown, like you said, 25, 30% uh, of a million bucks is what you take home in your jeans. And I don't want it to sound like it's complaining because it's not. But, you know, in all things considering what, you, what, what a guy takes home, I, I you know, you need to be conscious about that as, as there's a lifestyle that you're, you're wanting to live and come accustomed to. And, uh, you know, the, the hockey world doesn't last forever. You know, I feel I defied the odds by playing one game, but, you know, very fortunate enough to play 10 years. So I don't know what the average uh, hockey lifespan is, is I think it's one to three years or something like that. But uh, again, I feel very blessed. I got a leg up, you know, hockey gave me a lot of open doors, um, some room to do some investing, um, and lessons that I've learned from the game of hockey um, are something I don't take for granted. And, and I try to instill in my businesses today and the people that, uh, that I work with. Fascinating. Uh, to, to wrap up your, the business side of Mason Raymond, you, you just kind of alluded to the fact that you've got a couple other things going on as well. Anything, anything noteworthy that you could uh, let us in on? Cause I, I'm just fascinated all the different tentacles you have out there in the business community. Yeah, I mean, like I said, right after post hockey, I uh, again, egg was has always been a passion. When I say egg agriculture, so um, I have a cattle liner company that I run some cattle liners with. Um, I have a little bit of a financial firm that we kind of do a little financing with um, in the egg world. Again, I run these feedlots. Uh, we cultivate a lot of acres, and cattle have been a passion. Uh, we always run a lot of cattle, grass cattle, all over the place. So between that and uh, now getting into uh, the dealership world. Um, you know, there's uh, about five companies that I'm that I'm overseeing, and um, I'm excited about them. They do take up a lot of time, and I do believe the details of them are are where you know so much can be made and lost. And uh, again, another something I learned from hockey. So the parallels are incredible. I enjoy working with people, and uh, you know, I, I don't uh, I don't believe in saying no to anything until you have to. So if another opportunity arises, I'm all ears. I enjoy it, and uh, we'll see what the future holds. Okay. Uh, again, we're with Mason Raymond, and uh, I'm all ears on this next question because I walk my dog past your house uh, most days, and uh, I, I'm, I can say this to another man because I know the pride that comes with it. Because once somebody said it to me, but I'm ready to pass the torch. I think you may have the best grass in our neighborhood. <laughs> that is, uh, you know, and, and as an ag guy, you must have some sort of secret. How how do you have such perfect grass? I don't want to let out all my secrets, I guess, but uh, uh, water. <laughs> you can tell water, me later. Then. I, again, I'm a guy. I'm a hands-on guy. I uh, I put in my own irrigation system, and you know, I take pride in it. I guess when you when you lay your own sod and do a bunch of stuff, you take pride in it. But you know, water, 
I'd have to say there's a few uh, chemicals that go on to help take care of the weeds, but uh, I, I take pride in it. Good, I got a corner lot, right? So you want it to look good from all angles. Yeah. But uh, green grass looks good, so I appreciate the compliment. <laughs> Mission accomplished, my man. I tell you, I, I've told this story on the air many times. Where a, a green drop guy, just a kid trying to sell green drop door to door. Uh, knocked on my door about 10 years ago and, and said, look, I'm not trying to sell you our product because your grass is the most perfect I've ever seen. I just want to know what your secret is. That's what he said. I'm like, this is the greatest day of my life when a green drop guy is telling me my lawn looks perfect. So anyway, yours looks even better. So That is a compliment. And you know, it's funny now. Now I have my kids uh, mowing and stuff, right? And we get into, you know, straight lines and things. So again, it's uh, it's fun to do these <laughs> things. And now I have my kid help me out mow and I'll do the whippersnipping and he enjoyed it. Again, I'm, I'm a big believer in, in setting those ground lines and with your kids and passing that on. And uh, again, I go back to what's the staple of that, and that's just a little bit of hard work and getting out there and, and doing the job. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Now, you had alluded to earlier, you know, that you played with three three of the biggest, you know, Canadian markets, uh, and you said that maybe your best hockey wasn't played in Calgary. Where was your best hockey played? Was it Toronto, Vancouver, or and another question is, you know, what do you identify as? Are Do you think you'll be remembered more as a Vancouver Canuck, a Leaf? Yeah, you know, for me, uh, I think partly because I spent most of my time, I spent six years in Vancouver. That's where I was drafted. Mm-hmm. You know, your rookie years are there. Um, I started my family there, my, my first home there. Um, you know, we, we were on some good teams there. We were on the 2011 Cup run. So, you know, there was a lot more publicity there at that time because you're you're on a you're on a top team. So for me, I'd say where I'd be remembered more as is Vancouver. I still go back there every five six weeks and and visit some people, do a little business out there too, actually. And uh, I get recognized more there than back here uh, in, in Calgary. Oh, wow. You know, my my time was shorter here, and like I said, it uh, things didn't pan out the way I, I had hoped here. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, Toronto was a great year. Just, again, I was a short time there. So, three Canadian markets, you know, proud to play in them. Uh, I spent 95% of my career in Canadian markets, and, and honestly wouldn't have it any other way. It's it's pretty special. But, uh, you know, we had some great years there in Vancouver, and uh, I'm definitely proud of that. So, I, I would say I'm I'm probably more known for that, and I get more of that uh, recognition, I guess, out there than I do uh, any other place I played. Yeah, fair enough. Interesting. I, I would have I would have said the same thing. My guess would have been that you identify as a as a Canuck because of it was your formative years you played there and, and you had some damn good seasons too. Let, let me ask you this switch I, and we were kind of talking post into alumni. Um you know, I, I definitely look at myself more as a Calgary alumni. I mean we are such a heavily involved group here. Um, you know, there's opportunity. I didn't mention that, and all this is not—it's not a business model, by any means. But it's uh, the amount of stuff that uh, our alumni group does in this city is, is pretty special. Um, we got a heck of a group of uh, uh, people that are involved, and and for me, it's kind of full circle. It's interesting. I grew up going to the games uh, when I was 10 years old with my dad, watching the likes of Theo Fleury, Joel Otto, uh, Marty Jelinas. Um, a lot yeah. of that group and now those are the guys I get to hang out with at these events and play some alumni games so um, I'm a very proud yeah. alumni uh, with the Calgary Flames and something that we're, we're heavily involved with and I think uh, we're making some good initiatives here in the city Awesome, yeah, yeah I'm glad you added that, for sure uh, just because you're recognized more in Vancouver doesn't mean you don't, you're not a proud Flames alumni because that's what you're seen as now in this city certainly people know you're with the alumni you're doing things you're making a difference, and that's 
That's great. Let me ask you about Huberto. Uh, I'm not trying to compare your career or anything uh, about Huberto to you, other than the fact that when you come to a new city and you get a nice new contract, obviously his numbers were a little different than yours, but there's a there's pressure for you to produce plain and simple. He has not been able to do that quite yet. Can you sympathize or empathize with what Huberto is going through as he's trying to break through as a Calgary Flame? Yeah, you know, simply put, expectations go up when you get big contracts, right? Um, yeah. He was involved in a big trade for for Dechuk, right? So again, expectations got even prior to signing the contract that you did. You know, expectations got when you're a premier player in a Canadian market, expectations go up, and rightfully so. Um, I do think, and I think I don't know Huberto personally, but I do know he has a lot more to give. I'm sure, and he'd speak on it. Transition's not easy. Now he came from a market that's that's not as much as a hockey market as Calgary. Uh, he had some success there. He was familiar. Not a lot of people like change. Not saying he didn't like coming to Calgary. I'm, what I'm getting at is change is hard at times. You already alluded to the fact that the the schedule has been tough, right? I mean, including training camp. These guys haven't been on the road. They haven't had any kind of thing else, and, and things have been you know stale here, I guess, if you will. And, and they do need to change. And I do agree with that um, as far as getting out and just different surroundings. So. You know, he knows it as best as anyone. He's got more to give. I do believe that. Um, so, yeah, change is hard. <laughs> you can talk about the weather change. You can talk about this, about that. There's a lot of different things. Getting accustomed to different players, different coaches, um, just to set up everything. So, you know, expectations are high, and so they should be. Um, but I do think, yeah, I mean, he's you got to be patient in some regard, and, and I do think it'll come. He's a very special player. He's gifted. He's strong. He sees the ice well. Um, you know, again, he's in the limelight. Why? Because he signed the big deal for sure. So um, mm-hmm. I do think it'll come, but, yeah, no, it's, uh, there is an adjustment period, and I felt that at times um, going into places. And, uh, you know, but, again, that, that comes from within, and that's, that's, that's on him and how to figure out how to, to rectify what's going on and, and get back to who he is as a player. Yeah, yeah. I I don't think anybody's worried that he's not going to break through. It's just taking an or, uh, quite a long time for him to find that footing, and I think on the road is where he's probably going to find it. So, yeah. Mason, I appreciate your time. Congratulations on your recent uh, purchase slash venture. Uh, we wish you well. Cochrane GM is the the place to go if you need a GM product and you're out in the Cochrane, or, or or even if you're in Calgary, don't they say it's worth the drive? to Cochrane or something like that. <laughs> I'm stealing I someone like else's uh, you're hired. marketing. I don't marketing. know. You're hired. Yeah, I'm hired. <laughs> I want my side hustle too. Uh, <laughs> anyway, good luck, my friend. Thanks for uh, shedding some light on, on, on your interesting path in life and uh, keep up the great work with the, uh, the grass in the spring, my friend. Thanks, Eric. Appreciate you having me. Okay. Thanks for coming. Okay. That was Mason Raymond. He was brought to you by the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar. Uh, 14-time Consumer Choice Award winner for takeout or delivery call 403-248-3344 or dine in at Atlas Pizza, 6060 Memorial Drive, Northeast. Okay, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back with Wes Gilbertson. He's in Long Island right now. Flames play tonight with a radically different third pairing. I'm not sure how much ice time they're going to get, but they're going to start the game like that. And uh, a suddenly stellar uh, deep back six for the Calgary Flames is now starting to – show that maybe it's not as deep as we thought. Uh, We're going to find out starting tonight. We're going to talk to Wes Gilbertson. 
Uh, the Eric Francis Show is brought to you by Horse Racing Alberta. The Alberta horse racing and breeding industry has a $312 million positive economic impact in Alberta annually. Visit thehorses.com, 18 plus. Please play responsibly. We'll take a break. We'll be back with Wes Gilbertson. This is the Eric Francis Show, brought to you by Horse Racing Alberta on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right. Thank you to Mason Raymond for the first half hour, shedding some light on his uh, massive entrepreneurial uh, ventures. Get out and support about Cochrane GM. And our next guest is also from Cochrane. He is on the road with the Calgary Flames. They start their three-game road uh, trip today in Long Island. I never know if it's in Long Island or on Long Island. Either way, he's far smarter than I am, so we'll turn to the expert. He's from Post Media. You can hear him in the afternoons on Flames Talk with Pat Steinberg regularly. His name is Wes Gilbertson, and he joins us on the Atlas Pizza Guest Hotline. How are you, my friend? I'm good, buddy. How are you? I'm good. Good. This is the All Cochrane Show, so thank you for joining us. Yeah, I was uh, going to yeah, ask you. Sure. I, missed, I missed the first segment, but did my old uh, novice line mate shed any light on, uh, you know, maybe why I didn't make it as a right winger? No, he, he didn't talk about, uh, you know, why you didn't make it, but he did credit you and your playmaking for helping him get to the show uh, on several. I think that's what he said. I can't remember if he said you, but somebody. It it was it was probably something like someone had to go get the puck in the corner. I mean, it wasn't me, but somebody had to. Yeah, you're my you're my line mate now in morning hockey, and uh, I do rely I rely on you to go in the corner because that's not my gig either. Uh, let's talk about uh, players far far better than us. Um, I'll ask you about the mood. I'm not in Long Island. On Long Island, I, is it in Long Island or on Long Island? I'm going with on Long Island, but that's when I struggle yeah. too. Yeah. Okay. Good. Good. Well, what's the mood like this morning? Like, what what were your takeaways from uh, talking to the players and the coach this morning? You know, I I would say it's just very business like, and we didn't chat with the coach this morning just because of uh, sort of the timeline of them wanting to get on the bus and get back to the hotel. But you can tell things haven't been going great. It's it's quiet around this team. It's. Uh, it's just a sense of business. They they needed a win Saturday. Obviously, they didn't get it. You could probably say they needed a win Thursday before that. Obviously, they didn't get it. And, um, you know, whenever you cover a team that's in one of these skids, until they snap out of it, everything just kind of goes back to that. Even, you know, speaking this morning to Nick DeSimone, a guy who just got called up yesterday, he is going out of his way to stress how badly this team needs a win. And, that's just always sort of the prevailing theme until they they kind of get back in the wind column. This is a, a Flames team that wants to put the put the brakes on this skid as fast as they can. Uh, it certainly has to start on this road trip or it's going to be a pretty miserable group coming back home. Yeah, yeah. Three games, and they're, none of them are three easy games either. This might be the – on paper, this might be the easiest of the three opponents, but all three have winning records and considerably – uh, improved records from last year. Um, it, is the road the remedy? Because I've been saying on the broadcast the last couple of games, you know, these guys just eight games in a row at home. These are creatures of a habit. They're nomadic. Uh, as, as hockey players, they're not used to staying in the same province for seven weeks. And that's what they've been doing since camp opened. Is the road the remedy that can turn this around for them? Well, I think if they if they pull one out tonight and, and even, you know, have a 
successful trip, let's say come back with two of, of three victories, I, I think that's the easy I think that's going to be the easy thing to say is, yeah, we needed to snap out of the routine. We needed to switch things up a little bit. Um, and yet if this doesn't go well, I don't know that you can say that being at home for a long stretch was the reason that the Calgary yeah. Flames got away from things, right? There, there were yeah. there were signs that things were starting to trend poorly. You know, I, I just go back to how many guys you talk to as individuals who – haven't been satisfied with the way they've been playing, even when the team was winning. Uh, you know that that's yeah. usually a pretty good sign that things are going to start to go sideways. The one, the one thing I tell you that uh, would worry me about being on the road is that the Calgary Flames are going to have a defense pairing tonight that features a guy who's never played in the NHL and Nick DeSimone, and a guy in Connor Mackey who Daryl Sutter has not shown a whole lot of trust in the last couple of nights, and so. You get on the road, and the New York Islanders might not be the most high-powered team. They they don't necessarily have a superstar forward, but you know they're going to be licking their chops when those two guys hit the ice, and and that's something about being away from home that that's potentially scary for these Calgary Flames. Yeah, no question about it. We're talking to Wes Gilbertson, and uh, that's where I was going to go next. I mean, that's the big story re- revolving around this team right now. Uh, they call up uh, Nick DeSimone and Dennis Gilbert. Uh, yesterday, which actually they have an interesting story. They, they, they grew up together and uh, one idolized the other. And that's kind of a neat story in itself. But DeSimone draw, draws in. Uh, the the guess, the question I'll throw at you, if I threw the over-under at you in terms of how many minutes these guys are going to play, is it over or under 10 minutes? Oh, geez, I think it's got to be under. And, and that's, that's yeah. unfair maybe for me to say having – having never seen, obviously never seen Nick DeSimone play a regular season game and, and you know, having only caught one Calgary Wranglers game so far this season, I'm, I'm not totally familiar. I, I can't claim to be an expert on his game by any stretch, but now your sort of lead guy on that pairing is Connor Mackey, um, who played, what, refresh my memory, was it four minutes the other seven, night? Seven minutes, seven. yeah, seven minutes, I think it was, yeah. Yeah, and so... If if he if he was shown that sort of faith in in a situation with five defensemen where he was going to be going out there with a, a veteran partner, now if that pairing sticks together tonight, I I just think Daryl Sutter is really going to be looking to pick his spots with them. And and yet this is a team that plays tomorrow night in New Jersey as well. You can't you know you can't just play four guys a half an hour a night until a couple of guys get back from injuries. And so you kind of think of him with the with the combination of third pairing possibilities that you have right now, whether that's the Simona and Mackie, whether that's Dennis Gilbert getting in, I, I think you have to, you have to give them a chance or, or you're going to run the other guys out of gas pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Connor Mackie, sorry, played 10 minutes, 40 seconds uh, the other night. The other four guys all played over 24 with uh, Rasmus Anderson. And it's funny because I tweeted in the first period that, with Stone going down like 25 seconds into his first shift, I said, Rasmus Anderson at this pace is going to play 30 minutes. Sure enough, he played 29 minutes, 43 seconds, a career high. Uh, Zadorov, 28 minutes and change. And same with Mackenzie Wieger. Like, we started this season saying, is this the best defensive group in the NHL? Or certainly, you know, it's in the top five. Uh, with Oliver Shillington not showing up, with Michael Stone going down to injury, with Tanev out, is this just be you know? Is it just 
impossible to expect they'd have enough depth to still be really, really good? Or are we seeing that maybe this group isn't as good as we thought? Well, I think you're you're at the stage right now where where the depth just sort of becomes impossibly tested. And you mentioned Oliver Shillington's away from the team on personal leave. Uh, obviously, Yusuf Alamaki gets claimed off waivers, so your depth takes a mm-hmm. hit there. And so, you know, if you include Shillington and and then you go back to camp and you in, include Yusuf Alamaki, Nick DeSimone would be at best your tenth defenseman, right? Yeah, yeah, and. And you're putting them in tonight. You have Nicholas Malosh, who, to my understanding, didn't get recalled because of salary cap reason. You have Dennis Gilbert, who's played a little bit in the NHL. But but I think with any team, when you get down to 9 or 10 on your depth chart, you're going to be in a pretty tough spot. And, and yet, you, the other sort of option on the multiple choice that you gave me was are they just not as good as we thought they were well I, I don't think that the six that we're expecting to see every night have been as good as we expected them to be I, I don't think there's been the chemistry we thought we'd see with Tanev and Mackenzie Weger, for example and so it's possible both columns are right it's possible mm-hmm. that it's it's kind of one or the other but but I don't think you could criticize a team for not having a tense defenseman with a little more experience or, or not who knows what we'll see from Nick this moment. I may, you know, maybe he turns out to, to be a really good stopgap for the Calgary Flames, but I, I don't know how many NHL caliber defensemen you can expect to have in one organization. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we almost, I remember going into camp, the Flames had 10 defensemen on one way contracts. And I remember thinking that's bad business. I, I just think that they, they would have liked to have traded one or two of them in, in my opinion, but uh, here we are, and it's like, well, they should be very happy, happy that they do have that sort of depth, uh, at least uh, emerging depth. And, uh, I mean, the other thing is this organization has rarely dealt with injuries of significance for the last, what, decade? I mean, they've been very, very lucky. And we knew at some point their luck would run out. And uh, any, any word on I, – I don't know why I'm going to even ask this, but it's our job to ask these questions. Any word on – like Tanev status? I mean, I, I don't know why I'm asking because it's a Daryl Sutter run well, team, but have you heard anything? You know, I'll answer this question as long as you don't tell Daryl. I, uh, <laughs> this is all, this, this is all I can report on Tanev. It, he's on the road trip, which I think bodes. I, I don't, yeah. I, 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 I'm going to stop myself. I don't know if it bodes well. He, he wasn't um, like he was on the ice for morning skate today. He wasn't firing a, a ton of pucks. So I, you know, something is limiting his ability. I think to shoot. I don't know. You know, I, I sure hope that's not the shoulder that he had surgically repaired oh, in the off season. Yeah. You know, whether that could be an, an elbow or a hand or a thumb or who who knows. There, there's a bunch of different injuries. He's out there skating. He's not on injured reserve. I think that's a really good sign. I, I'm sure if it was that shoulder that was giving him trouble, he'd probably be on injured reserve to, to save some money already. So I, I would say the fact that he's traveling, the fact that he's not on IR is a good sign for Chris Tanev. But, but to this point, yeah. we don't know exactly what's bugging him. And, and with Daryl Sutter at the helm, we're probably not about to find out. Yeah, well put, well put. Uh, in terms of um, what's bugging this coach, uh, obviously, the big story coming out of Saturday was the benchings. The the fact that, uh, to no one's surprise, Connor Mackey didn't see a whole lot of ice 
even though they were down to five defensemen, they still used him sparingly. He had a first period where he was on for two goals and he took a bad penalty. That's not going to further ingratiate you to the coach. And all the other guys basically that finished minus on the night also saw their ice time uh, slashed a little bit, and in some cases a lot. Michael Backlund was certainly targeted and limited to uh, a very low amount of minutes. I think he played yeah, 11 minutes, and Lucic played six minutes. He got stapled to the bench in the third period too. Any uh, any word? Again, I get you didn't hear from the coach today, but I assume that he'll they get a fresh, clean slate starting tonight. I, I think so. I think that's just how, how Daryl Sutter operates. You know, what I was struck by Saturday, and, and I wasn't at the game, but, but keeping tabs on it and watching the tail end um, on TV, I was struck by the fact that it had only been a few days since Daryl Sutter came out and said Michael Backlund was the Flames' best center in the yeah. early stages of this season. And so, you know, that that's a glimpse, I think, for everybody. Not that we didn't know already, but that – that's sure a glimpse for me into how Daryl Sutter operates. If you're just not going and if you don't have the energy that he expects, you're not going to play. It wasn't a possibility against Nashville on Thursday because nobody had any energy and somebody had to play. That's in the rule book. But I, I think to go from best center to sitting on the bench in Michael Backlund's case, now Daryl Sutter wants to see a response. He wants to see, and he did yeah. put him out there. That, that's got to be a tough spot. I think Michael Backlund had a couple shifts in the third period. Suddenly he's out there trying to kill a penalty in overtime. You could, you could see the frustration on his face when New Jersey scores to end that game. Um, a, a puck that kind of gets saucered over his stick. But I, I think Daryl Sutter is going to want to see from Michael Backlund, from Kevin Rooney, from, from Milan Lucic, the guys who kind of became the de facto fourth line and by that not playing in the third period, I think he's going to want to see a response out of them. And, and Michael Backlund might be, besides Nick DeSimone in his NHL debut, Michael Backlund might be the most fascinating guy on the ice for me tonight because I'm really curious to see. It's been a long time since Michael Backlund was benched. I'm really curious to see how he responds. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I always think it's very interesting when a coach benches a guy and he does it very publicly, you know, Sutter will. He didn't name them, but we could we could do the math and figure it out. I just think for the average guys uh, who watch the game or gals, or or even you and I who watch pretty much every game, I still have a hard time just seeing some nights. If I, I would be ever, I would always have a hard time criticizing a guy's energy or his compete level. Like I guess sometimes you can see it, but at that level, I still think they're all going pretty hard. But you start looking at the numbers. Backlund was one for seven in the faceoff circle. That. That can kind of lead, you know show you a little lack of intensity. Connor Mackey had a, that rough first period. Uh, Milan Lucic was complaining to the refs, took two penalties, slamming his stick on the ice, slammed his stick on the post. Like I think the body language was really bad, and I don't think the coach liked any of that. There, you get. I guess what I'm saying is you can see the obvious reasons why each one of these guys was sat down, and and I agree it'll it'll say a lot about each one of them uh, how they respond tonight. Yeah, and you. But yeah, I you mentioned. Go ahead. Sure. I, I was going to say, you mentioned penalties. That, that's been an issue with Connor Mackey, right? I know he he got yeah. busted for one early against the Predators, too. And that's one thing that, that really doesn't fly with Daryl Sutter. He, and, and not that any coach loves penalties. You know, you, you go up and down the list. They don't want their team to be shorthanded. But that, that's a tough way to make an impression as a guy who's probably not going to play a lot. 
under Daryl Cutter, and you, you mentioned Milan Lucic, just the same thing. He's a, he's a guy who doesn't play a ton of minutes now, so you better not you better not cost your team in those minutes, or or you're going to wind up on the bench pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah, agreed. We're talking to Wes Gilbertson. He's on Long Island for the game tonight, five o'clock. It's on Sports at nine sixty, of course, with the one hour pregame show leading into it. Uh, the lines were they the same today, or do we have any sort of shakeups there? You know, I'll be perfectly honest with you. With trying to figure out who was going in on D, I didn't get a great look at the lines. I think he's going okay. with the same ones, but if there, you know, if there was a curveball tonight, um, don't say Wes Gilbertson told you. So I, I can't vouch for the lineup. That's fair. That's fair. And, and sometimes we get a little too far into the weeds there. But I was interested on Saturday when he started back with the lines that he had. You know, I guess from three games ago in the Battle of Alberta. Uh, after some experimenting for two games and they lost both of them, he went back to the original lines. And, you know, Jonathan Huberto to me, like that might've been, his, from, for me to watch him, that might've been his most frustrating night to date. I mean, he was, he just couldn't get anything done out there at all. No efficiency whatsoever. I'm not saying the energy wasn't there and I'm not even trying to be critical of him. And I, I, I think people thought I was being overly critical when I, I kind of joked on Twitter that, his best move of the night was when he went and grabbed a towel from the bench and skated over to the other side of the rink and gave it to a rinkside uh, fan who had been hit in the head with a puck. She ended up eating stitches. She's fine. I've said touch base with her on Twitter. But, um, you know, I, I, that's not to be – no one is suggesting that Jonathan Huberto is not going to return to being a productive player in this league. It's just taking a whole lot longer than I think anybody expected. Is that fair? Yeah, absolutely, and, and it must be beyond frustrating for Jonathan Huberto. Oh. We and and we saw some of that. Um, I guess it was Wednesday, so it would have been between the the loss, like before the loss to Nashville. He came out and, and said to the media, "You haven't seen anything yet. You haven't seen me at at my best." I, I can't even imagine coming off you know, 85 assists, right? NHL record by a left winger last season, coming off the largest contract in Calgary Flames history. He's a really proud guy, as they all are in the NHL, and, and he wants to show what he's capable of. He wants to show, you know, he wants to stick it to Florida. He wants to show that they made a mistake not keeping him. You know, he wants to reward the faith that the Calgary Flames had to make the trade and then offer him this $84 million contract extension. And, and it just hasn't gone, not even the way he'd hoped. It hasn't gone close to the way he'd hoped. He he hasn't been productive. He has the one goal, uh, four assists. He he's turning the puck over way too much for Daryl Sutter's liking. And, and and I will give the coach a ton of credit in this case. He, he's gone out of his way to to talk about how difficult it is for both Huberto and Mackenzie Weger to adjust from what was a, a drastically different system in Florida in, in terms of the style that they play, um, kind of more of a run-and-gun game last season with the Panthers. And, and he also, it would have been probably easy to shorten the bench on Jonathan Huberto the other night, kind of based on on the way he was handling the puck and, and the frustration he must have it, and yet Daryl Sutter's shown a ton of faith in him. He, he's shown some patience in him, and I'm sure that's going to be rewarded. It just hasn't happened as quickly as I think anyone was hoping it would. Yeah, yeah, I tell you, and it's one thing, uh, you know, that aside, watching that game Saturday, 
uh, I was struck by just how perfectly Johnny Gaudreau would have fit in with that Devils team. Uh, God, you know, they I, we all know it. Oh, that is, that is a that is an exciting young team. I don't I didn't expect to say that about the Devils anytime soon, but uh, that is a scary fast team with a lot of skill, and it fits right into Johnny Gaudreau. Like you know, we know the story. Gaudreau was basically going to sign with Jersey because he couldn't find any other dancer uh, on free agency day. And, uh, and then Columbus came out of the weeds at like four o'clock in the afternoon and changed everything. But man, I, I just think he would have fit in so perfectly there. But I say that only because it seems one thing the Calgary players are really missing is that, that player, like Johnny was the best in the national hockey league, him and Connor McDavid, two best players in the league at gaining entry to the zone, whether they pull up once they cross the blue line and do that little twirl and buy some time and look for the trailer or whether they just gain the zone and set up shop there. Uh, nobody's better. And the Calgary Flames, I think, are really struggling to find someone or a group of people who can get gain that zone for them somewhere close to the way Johnny used to do it. And and I don't think Huberdeau is that guy. He certainly hasn't shown it yet. Uh, but, again, better days ahead for Jonathan Huberdeau. Yeah, not, that's okay. where the what's – that? What's that, buddy? Go ahead. Sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, sorry. Um, that That's where the – comparisons way back between Johnny Gaudreau and, and Patrick Kane started I think was with his ability to you know to kind of flash and dash into the zone and like you said have that curl back or, or try to go wide he, he he is great at it I think the other thing that you know we haven't talked as as much about is the forechecking capabilities of Matthew Kachuk and and how much that sort of element is missing on the Calgary Flames uh, first line yeah. at this point. You've got a guy in, in Huberto who who plays just a little. It's going to sound like an insult, and I don't mean it that way. He plays certainly a slower game than Johnny Gaudreau, as most people do. Not not only is he not as fast a skater as Johnny Gaudreau, but he just he doesn't operate at at that sort of everyone trying to keep up with me pace. And and so. You see him come into the zone, and, and he more often than not has the puck, but he's trying to make plays around maybe the blue line instead of chipping it deep or trying to get around a guy. And that's something that the Calgary Flames just haven't adapted to yet on that top line. I, I'm like you. I, I think Jonathan Huberto is going to be just fine. Um, but, but we've sort of seen both those things. missing. the Calgary Flames top line isn't getting a lot done on the zone entry and they're also not going and getting it very often when they do try and put it deep and, and set up possession there. And so it remains sort of a, a growing pain, I would say with Elias Lindholm and Tyler Toffoli on that top line and, and something that we're going to kind of continue to track until Jonathan Huberto and, and Elias Lindholm as, as well look more like the players that we're used to seeing. All right, Wes, I appreciate it, my man. He's Wes Gilbertson from Post Media. You hear him on Flames Talk. He won the Beef Dip Cup this year. He's a champion, and no matter which way you look at it, uh, thank you for your time, my friend, and uh, enjoy the game tonight. The uh, second highest profile Cochran resident in the hour today. It's always an honor. Yes, you, you, and you, second with a bullet. That was great. Good job, my friend. Thank you. <laughs> the Cochran Hour is over now. The Eric Francis Show goes every Monday from 1 to 2 o'clock here on Sportsnet 960. And uh, we thank Mason Raymond for joining us in the first hour. We thank Wes Gilbertson for joining us in the second hour. And we'll do it all again next week with uh, two more great storytellers. The Eric Francis Show is brought to you by Horse Racing Alberta. The Alberta horse racing and breeding industry cares for their horses, employs Albertans, 
and contributes to the economy. Visit thehorses.com, 18+. plus. Please play responsibly. Enjoy the game, everybody, tonight, and we'll talk to you next week.